Once again, the Chamber's Job Fair is on October the 5th. Hour, powered by King Ranch Saddle Shop and live from the tap, King Ranch Saddle Shop features authentic goods inspired by the original Texas Ranch. Zach Taylor be joined by Billy Lucci here momentarily. We've got a lot to break down. Obviously, Texas A&M, a come-from-behind 10-7 victory over Colorado on Saturday. It was not pretty, but it counts in the win column, and I think ultimately that's what matters. Aggies are 1-0. and oh. By the way, Jimbo Fisher met with the media earlier today, so we'll have our Jimbo Says segment as we do every Monday. Uh, he will give us an update on Zach Calzada, or I should say, yes, Zach Calzada, but Haynes King's injury. Uh, the starting quarterback for Texas A&M went down in that first quarter against Colorado, so what does it look like moving forward with Haynes King? When can we expect him back? Uh, also, here's some from Jimbo. Obviously, the game was very close, very tight, and uh, we'll get some of the, the head man's thoughts, and especially that defense, which was just stifling in the second half. Aggies only allowed 54 yards in the second half to Colorado on Saturday. So you talk about a wrecking crew type defense. That's what the Aggies were sporting on game day. But uh, we'll, of course, touch on some other things going on around college football. If you haven't heard, USC is in the market for a new head football coach. They have fired Clay Helton uh, after several years at the helm. Of course, he was the offensive coordinator uh, before that and was promoted internally to the head coach at USC, but uh, he has since been fired after a one-and-one start. Now, they had a big loss to Stanford, but it's really strange just the way that all kind of unfolded. Uh, Just the fact that he was in that much of a hot seat that one loss, one loss to begin the year would get him fired, but they are now going to be looking for a new head football coach in the offseason, Clay Helton. He was 46-24, and 24, by the way, uh, and his career at USC was 2-3 and three in bowl games. He started there as the quarterback's coach in 2010 and had been in Los Angeles ever since. Uh, was promoted to head man back in 2015 and then, of course, stayed with the, uh, the Trojans for a few years but uh, has since been fired. So they're in the market for a new head coach. No idea who will be the head man there by the uh, the year's end. Of course, if you were paying attention to everything that happened over this past weekend, in addition to Texas A&M football, uh, Arkansas just rolled past Texas 40-21, to and it actually looks a lot closer on paper than what it was in reality. I mean, the pigs were rolling and uh, very well could be a problem for Texas A&M moving forward. Arkansas and uh, A&M, by the way, set to kick off at 2.30 uh, on September 25th, so Saturday, t- September 25th at Jerry World, the uh, Ags and Razorbacks are going to be kicking off at 2.30. That's actually going to be kind of a premier game for the SEC right now because Razorbacks are, are rolling and they're ranked uh, in the new AP poll. LSU, uh, one of their running backs, actually, John Emery Jr., has been ruled academically ineligible, had yet to participate this season. Now, last year, ran for 378 yards and three touchdowns. And he is now out of the equation for Ed Owen Company. So the hits kind of keep on coming for LSU and one of their uh, returning guys with a lot of playmaking ability. John Emery Jr. is no longer going to be in the backfield for the Tigers. And then, of course, uh, we have to, Luch, before we talk about anything else, we have to discuss the cat at the Miami App State game. Uh, the kitty is safe. If you didn't pay attention or you didn't catch it, 
There was a cat that was on the third deck at Miami Hard Rock Stadium. Uh, he was dangling from a wire of some sort. I don't know how he got in the stadium one. I guess stray cats just kind of roam there in Miami. Uh, and then he was dangling from, from, a, from a line. He fell. Some people caught him an American flag. Can't get more patriotic than that. And uh, the cat was okay. So that's ultimately what, what, what happens. Now, aside from Reveille taking the field, Billy, have you seen any other big-time animal situations on the gridiron? Have I been there to witness any have, of them? Yeah, either no. that. I mean, I'm just trying to. I'm racking my head. Cats have been a cats have been a recurring problem in football. It seems like I remember the Giants and the Cowboys a few years back. There was a black cat that took the field. Uh, you had you a possum at yeah, LSU. Yeah, you had the possum at LSU. Uh, you had a Randy one, Johnson hit a bird. So here's a fun fact for you: the big unit is a photographer by the way now he's a professional photographer okay. and it was something that he really enjoyed doing a as a player view, huh? and well he's got a dead bird as his logo <laughs> really as his logo for his photography company but yeah no randy johnson got some pretty good pretty good photographs actually um interesting yeah i mean anything that i've personally been involved in i can't think of anything and i don't think that there's anything that that Texas A&M has ever had to endure other than just having live mascots on the field. Yeah. Uh, of course, when you're talking about mascots, you can't overlook the time that Bevo went after Uga. That was uh, that could have been dicey there for a little while for that little dog. But he's okay. Uga and Bevo, man, that was, that was an attack. That was the one day in the last, like, ten years that Texas rose up and, and, <laughs> and did the damn thing. Well, I was talking- and that was a sign. Like, Bevo had had enough. He had had enough. <laughs> and uh, – but yeah, that was. Uh, I mean, he he had ridden all the way down to New Orleans. I mean, I'm sure it was a bumpy ride at times. Once you pass the the state line, the yeah. roads get a little bumpy. Yeah. And uh, I think he at that point was just a little perturbed. What um, are you looking at, dog? <laughs> Plus, he was wearing red. Apparently, Texas was back, and now they're back again. We can talk about that too at some point. Yeah. Sure. Well, I was wanting to talk about. It. We were just kind of go over some of the things that happened over the weekend. Um, of course. Texas getting rolled by Arkansas. Steve Sarkeesian came out today, said Casey Thompson is now the guy, sort of. Uh, Hudson Card is also expected to get in the ballgame against Rice this Saturday. Um, we've seen how that goes at times when you've got two yeah. quarterbacks and you don't necessarily have a full-on, this is the guy, this is the, the player that we're going to have lead us in the ballgame from start to finish and kind of playing. Uh, I, don't, is, I don't know if dipping your toe in the water would be the right analogy for that, but it kind of seems that way. Problem is you're not going to know the answer to that after Rice either. No. So you're going into a minimum of game four. And, and to be honest with you too, what do you learn when you play Texas Tech? They barely beat Stephen F. Austin last week. Texas Tech is horrifically bad. I mean, they are god-awful, which – who, who did Tech play in the opener? Was it oh, was it West? Gosh, no, it wasn't West me, Virginia. It was, but they played some. Oh, U of H. Yeah, it makes you wonder Houston. how bad U yeah. of H is. Texas Tech too. is terrible, so they're not going to know anything really and truly about who their starting quarterback is until they go play TCU, and then they play Oklahoma a week after that. Yeah, and you so. They're going to go into TCU the week before the Red River shootout, Red River rivalry, not really knowing who their quarterback is. No matter what they try to say, no matter how good Casey Thompson plays against Rice or what happens against Tech, they're, they're a bad stretch of football away from replacing one guy with the other 
up in Fort Worth against TCU, and then a week later, maybe somebody lights it up against TCU and you've got your answer, but at a bare minimum, they're not going to know in week five who the starting quarterback is, and that ain't a good way to roll. We've been there, we've done that, we've seen it. It doesn't work. You know, everybody wants to point to the offense for Texas on Saturday, but, I mean, how many folks are talking about their defense and the fact that they just got run over by Jefferson? I mean, he – and credit to him, man. He is going to be an issue for a lot of teams. Yeah, including Uh, A&M. Oh, yeah. That zone read stuff will be – he's not a real good passer. That zone read stuff will be problematic, though. And But here's the thing with – I would caution – against being afraid of Arkansas. A lot of Aggies now are like, oh, only scored one touchdown against Colorado. It's trouble and Calzada struggling. You know, you, we, we'll talk about all that in a minute. But Arkansas is a week removed from being down 10 to Rice deep in the third quarter. Yeah, I think a lot of people forgot about that. They are, they are a team that A&M was beating 42-17 to 17 after three quarters last year. And I know, look, I, I can tell just by watching Arkansas's better a&m isn't yet as good as they were last year so they're that but that was a big gap to fill texas a&m still has better players and texas a&m there are matchups in that game that would worry me no question right now today um particularly the aggie passing game against you know an inexperienced quarterback and o-line against barry odom and his scheming and stuff right but a&m's got a pretty good game planner too and with two weeks, Jimbo Fisher will figure some things out. I can promise you that. The other part of that is it, it's going to be a wild atmosphere. It's going to be a bowl game atmosphere in there in a couple of weeks. But my, my other part of, of talking about Arkansas is this. They ran for like 330 against Texas. I, but I don't foresee them, you know, running for the, that kind of yardage. Now, they did. They gashed A&M in the running game last year some. I think they yeah, might have run for 200. But I don't foresee them running wild against A&M, especially with a guy that's not a, a real polished passer. And if they're not running and they're in down and distance, that's a formula for success for the Aggie defense. So that game will be really fascinating. Uh, they've got to get through a New Mexico team this weekend. Arkansas has to get through Georgia State uh, or Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern, tougher opponent, I think, than New Mexico. But New Mexico's 2-0. and I believe they can win. Uh, they got a former SEC quarterback. Former SEC quarterback. Rocky Long is a tough coach. They're just going to come at you from every angle, every which way but loose. And that's problematic for a young offensive line and a very inexperienced QB. So, just there's some still some things to navigate. And it's not – I don't think A&M is going to go out there and, and – lose a ball game but i do think if they go out there and it's sloppy and they struggle and there's a chance you could come out of that not building confidence and that's what the aggies need to do this weekend because in some weird way they should have they they shouldn't have they shouldn't be confident coming back from denver they should be coming back like enjoy this win and come to work pissed off monday and be ready to work because you guys aren't as good as you thought we need to do a better job of preparing you to play. Uh, you were outplayed in several areas. You were out physical in some parts of the game for, for the majority of the game. Now, I think A&M eventually wore them down on both lines of scrimmage. Late. Yeah. Uh, late, which is interesting because you did it up there in the altitude. And in Boulder, it's a credit to Jerry Schmidt and his staff um, and to the way Jimbo prepared them or, or didn't prepare. You know, he, he downplayed the whole thing all week of the altitude, didn't let it – 
become an issue for his players, and it showed in the fourth quarter. But I think this game could be a real wake-up call for these guys. I really do. And to say, look, we're not that good yet. We can lose to anybody, and we damn sure can lose to anybody on the SEC schedule. So I do think – do I think they're confident coming out of Saturday's game? No. I think defensively they are. But do I think they, they have a reason to feel good and be excited to get back to work this week? Absolutely. I mean – they thought that, that the season was slipping through their grasp eight days in. Now they've kind of got a new lease on life here, and they got to be pretty excited about that, and hopefully it'll come out and, and play a lot better Saturday. And then you can go into Arkansas with momentum and feeling good. Well, as Farmer Fran on uh, the Waterboys said, we will play another day. Exactly. Play day. So Is that Farmer Fran or Edo? Edo, somewhere, some kind of a mixture of both. But, yeah, they do, in fact, live to play another day. But we are going to talk some about the game on Saturday when we come back. Again, it's the Blue Hour powered by King Ranch Saddle Shop. And live from the tap, King Ranch Saddle Shop, only the best is good enough. And King Ranch's products are meant to be passed down for generations. I'm Zach. He's Luch. You're listening to the Blue Hour on The Zone. This is the Zone, Zone. Aggieland's All-Sports Station. Opening the door to the King Ranch Saddle Shop in Century Square, you're immediately hit with the unmistakable scent of high-quality leather. Everywhere you look, boots, apparel, and accessories to home goods, luggage, and gifts, you see King Ranch's love of ranch style and functionality. King Ranch is known for their quality, stewardship, and authenticity that's lasted for seven generations. Only the best is good enough, and our products are meant to be passed down for generations. The King Ranch Saddle Shop has found a home in Aggie Land at Century Square on University Drive. Stop in and spend some time with us. The Tap on Harvey Road has been serving BCS since 1990. If you're hungry, the Huge Kitchen features a menu with a large selection of unique items like deep-fried fajita bites or a four-inch high club sandwich. See the menu at thetapbcs.com or on DoorDash. Join the Tap Mondays and Thursdays for the new live broadcast all about Aggie football at 6 or live trivia every Friday. Karaoke Mondays, Piano Bar Wednesdays, and live bands are also Tap specialties. Even book your next event or office party with the Tap. Go to thetapbcs.com for more info big job little job any job for all the concrete work around your home or business get quality ingredients from navasota concrete specializing in ready mix concrete sand and gravel yes one call to navasota concrete will bring you all the concrete you need properly mixed and ready to use with none of the mess or hard labor of mixing it yourself navasota concrete serving grimes county and the brazos valley area call 825-8106 navasota concrete a proud supporter of the navasota rattlers what if one day you went to your secret hiding place you know that spot that only you know about and instead of what you came for you found something a little different what if instead of your private stash you found a simple phone number 1-800-662-HELP what would you do would you stop and give it some thought would you make the call the truth is all drug use comes with risk before those risks become real before drugs turn your life upside down, before drugs take their toll on you and your family, know that there is help. You can quit. If you or someone you love is struggling with drug use or prescription drug misuse, call 1-800-662-HELP for 24-hour free and confidential information and treatment referral, or go to samhsa.gov slash thereishelp. Game day on the zone starts three hours before kickoff with the Twin Peaks 
pregame show, and it's powered by TexAgs.com. Game Day on the Zone is brought to you in part by Gage Gandy Bail Bonds, Bobcat of the Brazos Valley, Tradition Mobile One Lube, and Frontier Communications. After listening into the pregame show, you can hear every Aggie football game, home road national championship, right here on Sports Radio 1150 and 93.7 FM. It's the Bellucci Hour, powered by King Ranch Saddle Shop and live from the tap. Zach Taylor alongside Billy Lucci with you. Of course, uh, this fall we're doing our segment, the final segment of the show called Ask Billy, and we want you to text in your questions. We also have some cards that are passed out into the crowd, so please feel free to fill those out, and uh, Kobe will bring those up here, and we can get them read off here in the last segment. But you can also text us at 979-693-1150, 979-693-1150. Luch, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about the game. I know that you guys, of course, have broken it down on Texags. Uh, Louie's done whatever Louie does on his show. And then Chip Howard, of he, course, has broken, broken it down. We've broken it down. Louie's broken down. <laughs> I know. There's – Louis, Louis, the all gas, no brakes uh, version He's of Louis Texas the at all this point. Gas version <laughs> of everything. The all hot air version. Um, but that being that being said, let's talk a little bit about this ball game uh, from Saturday. Your overall impressions of Zach Calzada um, started off very shaky, and I understand starting off shaky, but I thought he started off extremely shaky to where I was going. You know. He's one dropped interception away from maybe that game being over. A couple, yeah. A couple times. Um, it, 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 it was making me really nervous. He didn't look like – he looked like the moment was too big for him. He looked like he wasn't processing things like he should. It, everything was – it seemed like everything was going too fast for him. Um, and to be honest, I'm sitting there going, I don't know how A&M pulled this off. Other than you knew the talent they had in the backfield – and I kind of thought one of these guys is going to pop one in the running game. But A&M stuck with the pass because that's what Colorado was almost demanding they do. And I'm sitting there going, I'm surprised Jimbo's not being stubborn and running it up in there. But it was like they were giving the, the, the passing game to him too easily. You almost had to take it. Like Chase said to me, you know, they were giving us the bait and we had to take it yesterday when we were talking. And, and you wonder – if you just pound it away and, and, and at the stack box, do you run and bust some runs? But this is not the same old line as last year. So Jimbo talked yeah. about it today. One guy missed a block here. One guy missed a block there. Are you just doing quick three and outs that way too? There were a couple of third and threes where I'm going, man, I'm surprised they didn't run that. It seemed like the odds would be better. But he had faith in his quarterback. He did. And it didn't seem – I was sitting there going, and I've got the utmost – confidence in Jimbo's management of a game I've just seen it too many times I've seen it firsthand and the resume speak and I'm going man it just doesn't seem like Zach's gonna pull out of this and sure enough with two drives left of the whole fourth quarter basically so he had a couple quarters to get it going and by the, by you know the very start of the fourth quarter in their first drive he looked like a completely different QB yeah, and I don't know what got drives. him going. I don't know. Was it just hitting a wide open spiller? 
on a swing out there. I think, or was it? It was the Weidemeyer throw for twenty-six yards when it hit him down that the was field. A good one, yeah, something got him going. He started feeling it better. Was it the early scramble? He had that nice scramble for a first down. Something got him to where he's like, okay, and he settled down. And then all of a sudden, if you look at Zach Calzada in the fourth quarter, the stats were good. The passing was much better. Uh, now, he had a pick go right through a guy's hand that ended up in a catch for uh, Devon A. Chain that was 25 yards. Yeah, big play. Yeah, yeah it was. But, but his passing was much better and more confident. He was decisive on when to run. And the reality is he led A&M on two 10-plus play scoring dr- touchdown drives and that chewed up 11 minutes of clock in which he was, you know, I think he was 8 of 12 for 108 yards and a touchdown. and should have been, It should have been two touchdowns. He led them on two touchdown drives. Effort fumble by him. You see it so many times, and it just stinks for the kid and for the, for the team at that moment. But it was the right call. He didn't get it across it was, the goal line. Yeah, it was pretty clear it was a fumble. Um, but that, to do that and suffer that kind of disappointment, and it could have been really easy to say, man, it's in our day. We just drove all the way down there. It was such work, and then we fumble it at, at, at the goal line. We don't even have to on such a great play by him. They went back. Then three plays later, Zach, you're on the field with the ball, like do or die. Three plays after that disappointment, and all this guy does is make play, make a play, make a play, make an amazing play for the touchdown. I say play because it wasn't just the throw. To feel that pressure – drift to his left, throw it with his right, throw a perfect strike basically on the move into Isaiah Spiller's hands uh, in coverage. Oh, that was a gorgeous throw. It a lot was of a touch gorgeous throw and the touch, just the way the ball went, but also what he was doing with his body to make that throw. And then, By the way, that was a third and nine. Another gut punch because they got to delay a game on third and four, which is a very good down for A&M. All of a sudden you go third and nine and it – I mean, you're two plays away from losing a football game and losing your your top ten ranking to Colorado on the road in a game you were 17-point favorite in game two. That would have been a disaster. But you know what happened? Zach toughened up mentally and physically. He got it done. The Aggie running backs really stepped up. Those guys had 100 yards of offense between them on two drives in the fourth quarter. Made some quarter. tremendous catches. They really I mean, did. Spiller, the diving amazing one. catch. Yeah, and A-chain a- both. Uh, like I said, 100 yards on 11 fourth-quarter touches between them. If I got to thinking about this. You know, Calzada, everybody's talked about his, his real strength is his arm. Where yeah. Haynes, perhaps, I'm not saying that his strength isn't his arm, but, I mean, everybody raves about his legs, what he's able to do outside of the pocket. Whenever yeah. a quarterback or a guy might feel a little overwhelmed, I feel like he goes back to that that thing that he knows he can count on with Zach, I feel like it's his arm strength. And at times mm-hmm. it, it seemed like that was a little too much. I mean, he's, he's putting too much on the ball. He's sailing the ball over guys. And it's almost kind of like you go back to that default. And whenever you do that, you end up uh, possibly going a little too far over and going a little overboard. But once he started settling down, was able to kind of start processing things. Yeah. You saw him put more touch on the ball and, and make more accurate passes. Yeah, he did, and he's going to have to. Look, he's going to have to. I think that's part of why I'm, I'm, I think that's part of why Haynes won the job. He's, he's more decisive. There's more touch on the ball. There, there's less turnovers. Even though he had three in that first game, he, he protects the ball better. 
because Zach does it's a lot of fire on the ball. There there's passes that are going over the receiver's head and that goes right you know, you go right into that next level of coverage. He's gonna have to work on all that, but he's also gonna go now from twenty percent of the first team reps in practice to eighty. There's a whole new mentality for him as a starter. There's no way he thought he was playing in that football game Saturday. No matter what you want to think of a young kid that age and a backup quarterback, his mentality and approach is about to be completely different. Mm -hmm. It just is. Um, He'll be playing at home this week. He'll be playing in a neutral. It'll be an intense atmosphere. I'll, I'll leave that out in two weeks. But he'll be playing at home this week. He'll have a week with 80%. He has the confidence that comes with that finish. This dude should feel good about himself right now. He really should. He should feel like, I can do this. I just did it. And then, and if he plays well this weekend, he should go into Arkansas feeling very confident. So it's an opportunity here. But, yeah, he's going to have to work on some of the things that kept him from winning the job or being, you know, that's what he's going to have to do is work on that because that's, that's what will get A&M beat. And I think the Aggies, if you're Jimbo, he, I think he probably went to work and stayed up pretty damn late last night, Zach, and all week this week. Uh, Olin, you know this. If I asked the Tex Ags crew to do this, OB would be up all night, but a lot of them would be – it would be like absolute perpetual misery for me to ask them to put in the hours that football is about to have to put in. So I, next time one of them complains about something, I'm going to say, imagine working for Jimbo because they're putting in overtime to fix – this offense, uh, fix it. By that, I mean tailor it around Zach and fix some of the issues up front. You heard him say today, that play Haynes got hurt on, there's a missed block, that's a 50-yard touchdown run. Think of the difference in, in outlook right now. That's wild. Oh, yeah. And, and there were several plays, he said, that were really close plays. to be. So they do have to fix the O-line. They do have to get better play from the wide receivers. They're going to have to step up and, and help because – I'm going to tell you this. Before Haynes got hurt, the offense didn't have a first down. Was he in there two drives or three? Oh, whatever gosh. it was. They were, yeah, I think it, I think you're only two. He only yeah, he's in there two drives. Two and they were they were three. Time. They were three and out and three and out. Right, and, and so it wasn't like things were going swimmingly. Now I think they would have figured it out, and I think Haynes running uh, speed option. I know. I don't think was a big part of the game plan. Yes, Saturday. So when you're doing that, and the guy gets hurt. And that's a tough task for Jimbo as well, and the players and everybody, because now, okay, speed option really isn't that big of a thing with, with, with Calzada. It changed up everything, and A&M looked a little shell-shocked. The quarterback did, the whole team did for a while, and, and then Jimbo got into a play-calling groove too. I'm sure he was sitting there going, well, some of these plays are working, but we're not executing, but he got into a groove of what they could execute. Zach found his groove. One thing, well, I guess they found a groove, too, because they were getting kind of cut up early. The A&M defense, that second half was as good as you can play defense in college football. There's not much more you could do. They could have forced a couple turnovers. Well, yeah, could have forced a couple turnovers. That's it. That was as good as you can play defense. Well, they forced the turnovers in the first half, uh, and that didn't really amount to anything. I mean, you talk about, I don't know if there is a better defensive coordinator in the nation, and I mean this honestly, that can make – second half adjustments like Mike Oko can. You always I mean, feel good about that. You him. you have seen it from time and time again that the Aggie defense always, no matter who they're playing, always looks better in the second half. Well, Zach, there was a turning point in that football game. Our, uh, 
Colorado went all the way down and scored a touchdown. It was like nine plays, oh, well over 50 yards. There were some missed tackles on missed that one. Missed tackles. Yep. They looked shaky. The very next possession was like ten plays. They drove down near the red zone. DeMarvin Leal blew up a play. Aaron Hansford tackle for loss. Incompletion, miss a 46-yard field goal. So they stiffened right when they got in the red zone. Then the next drive, Colorado goes all the way down again. 12 plays. Down to the A&M 5. It's second and two. They could have got a first and goal there. Second and two, one yard. Third and one, stuffed. Fourth and one, stuffed. That game could have been 17-7 without Haynes King in there, and it might have been over. I mean, who knows what happens if A&M's having to just spread it out and go up tempo. I, I really don't think there's might have. I think it probably, would have been over. Uh, uh, Half and Colorado had all that success, kind of running the ball, moving the ball. They had seven points to show for it. At that point, I felt really good, Zachary, because of what you said about Mike Elko, that A and M wasn't giving up more than at, at worst they were giving up fourteen in that game and maybe ten. They didn't give up any more, but I, I was thinking, okay, A and M can manage this. The Aggies can figure out how to score ten points in the second half or something. How, how to score two touchdowns, you know, and they, and they didn't. They kind of did. They fumbled there at the goal line. But I just felt like hey, this defense is about to shut them down. And that's man, what the defense thought, too. That's I what the guys were saying on the sideline. no idea how much they were. Yeah, 54 yards they allowed total to, our, to uh, Colorado in that second half. It really was a tremendous defensive effort in the second half of the ball game. Yeah. All right, guys, going to take a quick break. When we come back, it's Jimbo Says, brought to you by B&B Automotive. Again, it's the Bluchi Hour, powered by King Ranch Saddle Shop, and live from the tap. King Ranch is known for their uncompromising stewardship and authenticity that's lasted for seven generations. It's the Bluchi Hour on the zone. You're listening to Aggieland's Home for Sports. Home for Sports. Zone, 11.50 a.m. and 93.7 FM. Opening the door to the King Ranch Saddle Shop in Century Square, you're immediately hit with the unmistakable scent of high-quality leather. Everywhere you look, boots, apparel, and accessories to home goods, luggage, and gifts, you see King Ranch's love of ranch style and functionality. King Ranch is known for their quality, stewardship, and authenticity that's lasted for seven generations. Only the best is good enough, and our products are meant to be passed down for generations. The King Ranch Saddle Shop has found a home in Aggieland at Century Square on University Drive. Stop in and spend some time with us. All right, everybody in the car. Justin's big game is tonight. Ugh. Now what are we going to do? Looks like you might have to forfeit the game, son. Car problems keeping you in last place? At B&B Automotive Services, we're fast and dependable. We know how much you rely on transportation. So when you need repairs, call B&B Automotive or look them up on the web at b-bauto.com. B&B Automotive. We fix it fast so you don't finish last. Are you looking for a job? Join the Bryan College Station Chamber of Commerce and Workforce Solutions Brazos Valley for the Chamber's annual job fair on October the 5th from 1 to 4 p.m. at the Brazos Center. Visit with companies hiring right here in Bryan College Station. For more information, visit bcschamber.org or call 979-260-5200. That's 979-260-5200. Once again, the Chamber's job fair is on October the 5th. Suck it up. It's not a big deal. Snap out. Just get over it. We've all heard it. But if you're experiencing extreme stress, it's not just in your head. It can affect your entire body because toxic stress can hurt us physically. 
without us even knowing it. If you've lost a job, worry about your next meal, or have trouble making it through the day, if you're feeling the effects of stress, we can help. Text STRESS to 211211 to find a solution. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Can Baker Mayfield improve upon the second half of last season? The second half of last season, he was drastically a different dude. If you want to say, hey, with OBJ not being on the field, it naturally allowed him to go through his progressions quicker because he didn't have to force the ball to OBJ. So we've seen that maturation of Baker Mayfield as a quarterback. If he can take it to a new level, that elite performance, considering all the aspects that they brought to the team, this team is loaded. Let's not act like they're not loaded. But the narrative that was set out there about Baker Mayfield forcing the football to OBJ, that's just a bunch of, and it's not UJ, it's just what people tried to put out there. That was a bunch of nonsense. He did not get better because they lost OBJ. Oh, no, he no. He got better because he started to understand exactly what Kevin Stefanski wanted him to do within the offense. Listen in mornings to Key, J. Will, and Max here on Sports Radio 1150 and 93.7 FM. Wow! It's the Bellucci Hour, powered by King Ranch Saddle Shop and live from the tap. King Ranch Saddle Shop. Visit them online at www.krsaddleshop.com. It is our segment, Jimbo Says, brought to you by B&B Automotive, celebrating 35 years in the Brazos Valley. No small feat, and B&B Automotive couldn't have done it without you. We met with the head man of Texas A&M football earlier today, weighed in on Haynes King's injury. I know a lot of y'all have already heard about it by now, but Jimbo Fisher kind of asked for a timeline on Haynes King. So here's Jimbo talking about QB1. Haynes, as you know, I guess it's already out, but I wanted to wait till I got the final um, thing to make sure I give you all the right call. He has a, he had a crack in his lower lower leg that they fixed and operated on, went clean as a whistle, went really good, was as good as it could humanly be as far as uh, you know the, the prognosis of things. Now, timeline, I'm not a doctor, and I'm not going to say, when you heal, you heal. When you're healed, you're healed. We would never play him before in any way, shape, or form before that. And two, I feel like we still got a great quarterback in Zach Calzada and feel very comfortable with him uh, doing things after especially watching him, the character he grew up with in that football game, and come back and make the plays he had to make at the end of that game for us a chance to win it. We're very proud of him and the guys around him that played. So we'll hear a little bit more, Jimbo, on Zach Calzada, but I kind of want to talk about this injury, Luch. I mean, Jimbo did not uh, – he didn't say one way or the other about the timeline on when Haynes might be back. Uh, it did sound good as far as a clean break, so hopefully uh, not any complications. He said the surgery went really well. Um, I mean, with these things, you never can tell. I know these guys are, are elite athletes, and they're young, and their bodies heal probably quicker than the average bear, but – you're still talking about a major injury. So from the outside looking in, could you see there be a possibility somewhere down the road of Haynes coming back? Yeah, I'll, I'll say this because I've, I've heard this whole thing from the start, but I try to do things right by the program, and, and people are always going to be in a race to get notoriety and, and put yeah. somebody's business out there before it's um, – I had people asking me all weekend, all weekend asking me what's the situation, what's the situation. There are people you trust. There are people you don't trust. Um, I wasn't going to go put that out 
I'm not trying. I've got it. I've got all the notoriety on in this realm that I need. Um, You're the man. Well, I am. Thank you. And also, Zach, everybody else that covers the team, I'm sure there are plenty of other people that knew what was going on and didn't race to put it out because they knew Jimbo would let us all know on Monday. Yeah. We all kind of – I think there's. it's good that everybody on this beat kind of just gets that part of it, you know? I mean, they do. I, I know that people think, well, it's the job. It's what we have. Bull crap. You do you do it the right way, and you do it the right and, and the right way on this one was to not say, yeah, Haynes King season is not done. I will say that, okay? Because I will report that good news since everybody else is talking about it, and, and, and Jimbo's not going to put a time frame on it. J- uh, Haynes is expected to be able to be back and able to play later this fall. Now, he's not going to say four weeks. He's not going to say six weeks or eight weeks because you just, like you said, you just don't know. Right. The point of what I'm saying is this is not a career-ending injury. This is this is not a, uh, you know, like some kind of Alex Smith or uh, what's, the, what's the quarterback's oh, name from Florida Milton? State? It, no, McKenzie no, no, no. Milton. Yeah, it's yeah. not a McKenzie Milton. And, and it's not a torn ACL which would have obviously put him out for the year. In some ways, a high ankle sprain might have hindered him longer. Yeah. Because this thing, when it's healed, it's healed. When these breaks are healed, they're healed, and he's good to go. Now, I don't know things like, will he have a hitch in his giddy-up when he comes back and, and be a step slower and not be able to cut yet? Eventually he will, but or is he back and back? It's If the bone's healed and it's healed and it's strong, you're good to go. It's a matter of, that time period when you're able to start running and getting in condition and getting your kind of your muscle muscles back right, around you have confidence it. in that. Yeah. And the, you have to have confidence. I'll tell you mentally, Haynes King is probably the type of kid. They're going to have to, it's like a horse, like a young stallion where you're going to have to like, a, pull you know, back you're going to have to pull back and say, okay, man, don't overdo it. Like that's where he's going to be for sure. This is the guy that sat in his truck and watched practice when, when he was in COVID protocol uh, you know, uh, contact trace or whatever prior to the bowl game. So they're going to have a hard time reining him in. They're going to have to put the reins on and let Jerry Schmidt and the rehab group handle that. But So I don't know if it's – in his mind, he's probably like, I'll be back for Bama. I don't foresee that. That's four weeks. That seems That's like – October 9th. But five weeks is uh, – five weeks from the injury is Missouri. Six weeks from the injury is game match. So – or no, six weeks from the injury. Isn't that a bye week? Or no, it's maybe. If only there was a way. Hold yeah, on. look it up. Because you go, you go Alabama and then travel to Mizzou. And that's the 16th. So then there's one more game and then the bye. So I, I wouldn't surprise me if South we, Carolina. South the Carolina. Yep. Get a bye at on the home. 30th. South Carolina at home and then a bye. It wouldn't shock me if he came back for who's the next game. Is that Auburn coming back out? It wouldn't shock me if he was back for if he yeah, was back for on Auburn 6th. on November sixth. And, and imagine if you said you could have him back for Auburn, Ole Miss, and LSU. Now, I'm not saying that. The, what if what if Zach Calzada is slinging it around in A and M? I was about to say, don't is, mark that has, out. You know, maybe they lose a, a game to Alabama and, and have won all the others. That's what's fascinating now because we know. Here's what we don't know: is when Haynes can come back. I'm telling you, I do believe he will be available to play later this season. You saw it with Nick Starkle, and I've kind of heard the injury isn't as significant as that one, which kept Starkle. He was back 
LSU game. Or no, no, no he no, was no, back no. like Mississippi State or Auburn, whichever one of those was first. Um, and they played New Mexico, and then yeah, yeah. So, I, look, I, with that said, we know he's going to be out for weeks. Okay, there, we know that's plural. We know I, it's fair to say several weeks. Um, what does A and M do? Jimbo Fisher is planning this offense. How he had, what what works for Zach? What puts him in the best position to succeed? how they can run the ball more effectively than they have in order to, you know, take the pressure off of him and score enough points to win and lean on that defense. But to me, I'm going, I think this is a team that if if things go well, maybe they look like Georgia has these last couple of years. Maybe they look like Georgia. And by that, I mean, opportune plays on offense through the air, a powerful ground game, a very powerful ground game, and and an elite defense. I mean, Georgia was winning games with Stetson Bennett, the fourth. They were winning games. But you know what they were doing, too? They were winning games where where they're just chucking it down the field with JT Daniels and just taking deep shots to guys. So – there are certain things A&M can do to kind of look like that. And by that, I don't mean win every game 10-7. to 7. But if the Aggies have to win a 23-17 game, they can do it. Yeah. They can win. They won 10-7 the other day. They can win 17-13. It's, it's not going to be fun and sexy. And you hope that's not what you want to do. You hope Calzada gets in there and starts letting it rip. And maybe this passing game comes to life, which I think it would have done also under Haynes. I think they were going to open it up some this year. But – Tell you what's going to have to happen before any of that can happen is the O line's got to play better because that Georgia formula you have to be lethal running the football and and to do that you still have to block it's not just pass blocking here so I, I do think though they can be a, a a Georgia type of football team and, and and in a way some of those better Auburn teams that just ran the hell out of the ball and and. A couple of those Kevin Steele teams where it was hard to score more than 20 points yeah. on them. Well, you've got and the, I do think you have the defense to do that, and you've got the talent in the backfield yeah. to do that, and you've got the play caller to do that. So. Well, I, I'm glad you actually mentioned that, and we're kind of limited on time, so we'll have to play one more quote from Jimbo Fisher, and it's going to be the third one we've got. It's the, why the limited run game. Okay. And, and so I basically asked Jimbo, hey, you know, you've got these two great backs in the backfield. What was Colorado doing up front specifically that really limited the run? So Jimbo Fisher on that. Physical. Got in gaps, played physical, fit the run. We had pulls and sometimes knocked us on our can. At times we're more physical than us, closed gaps, and we missed a cut every now and then we would just be on a block and hold it and then just fall off at the end where we were just inches from pulling through. As I say, you got to fight for those inches. you got to strain to get that back that extra half a step through the hole that allows him to break it and not get tackled for a four-yard gain. And it gets that simple. Our strain to their strain, our hat to their hat, our technique to their technique, and learning to be and, and staying physical and more physical. And they, I mean, they did some nice things scheme wise, but we get our guys put hats on hats for the most part. Occasionally, we'd have a missed assignment or a call, you know, just a miscommunication up front with young linemen that's going to happen. But we just got to strain more, and we didn't find that in. We couldn't give them that extra half a step. There's about three runs in there, man, that are just about a half a step. And then one time, we actually should have been block- come on the outside. Our, our lead blocker on the one back should have been outside. If he got out there, I thought we had a big one. But you just got to clean those details up. So as Jimbo Fisher was talking about, the offensive line had a pretty rough week. Um, 
Olin actually had asked Jimbo too, you know, do you think your O-linemen were surprised by the physicality of Colorado? Because, again, they're going up against the defensive line for Texas A&M. When you've got DeMarmon Leal, Jaden Peavy, Michael Clemens, McKinley Jackson, I mean, you've got some real beasts up there. How could this offensive line somehow be surprised by any kind of physicality that a team might throw at them? I think you can be surprised when you expect less. Yeah, and that's what I was like. If too. you're going to go fight, if you're, you're if you're in your head, and you're like, I've been sparring with with Mike Tyson every day. I've been I've been in the ring with him, and then you go get in the ring with I don't know Floyd Mayweather. He didn't knock anybody out though. Manny Pacquiao, right? Okay. Manny Pacquiao doesn't punch nearly as hard as Mike Tyson, right? But you go in there and let your guard down and let him hit you right square in the jaw because you, your concentration level isn't what it is because your expectation of what he's capable of doing has slipped down because of what you see every day. You're going to get your ass knocked out. And I was worried about this game, and you heard me say it. When you have four new offensive linemen and five guys, no one coming back at the same position – and Bryce Foster's only college experience was a week earlier against Kent State. Right. And Akinola's only college experience that mattered was a week earlier against Kent State. And Layden Robinson played in a blowout game against South Carolina, and that was really his only real college, like, meaningful experience other than blowouts. Kenyon Green was playing his second game at tackle. And then Jameer Johnson got here in June to play in this offense and knew nothing about the offense. That is a recipe for trouble when you're going on the road in week two. Your quarterback gets hurt, so you're scrapping a big chunk of the game plan right. after two possessions. Right. So now you're doing a bunch of stuff that you really didn't practice for all week. Either that or you're really limited because you have to stick with what you practice minus the speed option game. And then on top of it, what really concerned me is you were going in and you've got a Colorado front seven that was really experienced. They're a power five, middle of the pack, middle of the pack, Pac-12, power five team that has a lot of dudes coming back up front that have played football. Their and defensive they, line was pretty impressive. They were. They, it was they had impressive. a 6'6", 310-pounder in there. It looked about like Peavy. Uh, they had some other dudes, and, and that linebacker is an all-pack 12 type of guy, no question. He might be the first Colorado player in history to lead the team in tackles. Either lead the team in tackles or have 100 tackles four straight years. I think it's lead the team in tackles because they didn't play enough games to have 100. Um, that was a tough, dangerous matchup, and it got more tough and more dangerous once Haynes King got hurt and once those guys started getting confidence. And it's the style they play, Zach. They do physically come right at you. Uh, there's no games really with them. And it's, by the way, it was also a new coordinator in his second game. And you think they showed much of anything against uh, you think they showed North, much of anything Northern, Colorado. Northern Colorado the week before? No. So no. That, was a, that was a problem. And that was why I didn't think A&M was going to cover the spread there. I thought they were going to pull away and win by two scores. I thought it would be. 34-17. It was almost 17-7. Or, or, or 27, 27 to 13, something like that. Yeah. Uh, but a competitive game going into the fourth quarter where A&M wore him down. I do think A&M wore him down physically. 
It was just at the very finish line. It was like the very <laughs> just end. in the nick of time. But you saw the A&MO line starting to protect better. You saw the running lane start to open up for uh, H.A. and Spiller on a couple plays there. You saw Calzada with time to throw. You saw the Aggie defense absolutely wear them down. And, man, they put a hurting on those guys. They rocked Brandon Lewis. Clemens just took him apart on one pass. He wasn't the same after that. They crushed uh, the running back, Broussard. Took his uh, Antonio Johnson took his legs out from under him. He landed on his hip. He never returned to the game. Right, that was a big that, tackle. That physicality did get to Colorado. It just got to him really late. Hopefully Texas A&M can get things shored up on the offensive line. Going to take one more break when we come back. A very abbreviated Ask Billy. We'll have to do a rapid fire when we come back. Again, it's the Bellucci Hour powered by King Ranch Saddle Shop. Live from the tap. Follow them on Instagram at King Ranch Saddle Shop. It's the Bellucci Hour on the zone. This is Eggieland's home for sports. The Zone 1150 AM and 93.7 FM. Opening the door to the King Ranch Saddle Shop in Century Square, you're immediately hit with the unmistakable scent of high-quality leather. Everywhere you look, boots, apparel, and accessories to home goods, luggage, and gifts, you see King Ranch's love of ranch style and functionality. King Ranch is known for their quality, stewardship, and authenticity that's lasted for seven generations. Only the best is good enough, and our products are meant to be passed down for generations. The King Ranch Saddle Shop has found a home in Aggieland at Century Square on University Drive. Stop in and spend some time with us. AggielandBigDeals.com. Shop local, buy local, say big. I'm struggling, can't pay full price. How about Aggieland Big Deals? Yeah, that's right. I'll be shopping local and saving big with discounts up to 30% on food, clothes, and car repair, or even entertainment and personal care. Is it really going to be convenient, though? Just download the app right on your phone. Oh, man, that's slick. Now I'm all in. Those digital certificates are fun to spend. Plus, I can print and send gifts along at AggielandBigDeals.com. The flagship station for Aggie Athletics is The Zone. Whenever the Aggies are playing, you can hear them right here at 1150 and 93.7 FM. Thanks to our listeners and our Aggie broadcast sponsors, Park at Traditions Exceptional Senior Living, First Financial Bank, and Cooper's Barbecue. Here's a big gigum to all these sponsors. Listen to Aggie Athletics on The Zone 1150 and 93.7 FM. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career I can be proud of and supporting my family. America's veterans are on their most important tour, the tour of their lives. I'm a veteran. My victory was going from homeless to home. At DAV, we're on a mission to help veterans get the benefits they've earned. I'm a veteran, and my victory was finishing my education. DAV offers veterans of all generations a lifetime of support for victories great and small. My victory was proving that a disability is not a limitation. My victory was getting my service dog a new best friend. We help more than a million veterans every year as they face and conquer their challenges. My victory is being able to be there for my family. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. It's Larry from Shelby, previously on the Paul Feinbaum Show. Hello, Jesse. You want to know why Ole Miss wants Alabama? Because last year we kicked their redneck butts for three and a half quarters. And let me tell you why we want them this year. Because our offense is better, our defense is better. We are going to spank them, buddy. The things you hear on this family show. 
The Paul Feinbaum Show, powered by Polaris Fund Center, two to four weekdays on the zone. It's the Bellucci Hour, powered by King Ranch Saddle Shop and live from the tap, King Ranch Saddle Shop. Follow them on Facebook at King Ranch Saddle Shop. All right, Luch, we got to do rapid fire here. We spent quite a bit of time on the game over the weekend, but we got a question for you. The receivers, our receivers yeah. are seldom open. Can we win going forward without better receiver play? What do you think? Uh, no, I think better receiver play has to happen. They, I, I don't. I think they're held back if they don't get better play than they did this week. I think they combined for I think it was six catches for. It was like six catches for fifty nine yards, six catches for sixty four yards, or forty seven yards. It was something that it was like absolutely, you know, unacceptable that an entire receiver. And I know there was a quarterback change, but you still threw X number of passes. I think it was around, was it around 35 maybe? Total? 38 total uh, yeah. is what is what Calzada yeah, Calzada threw. threw 38. So right. you probably threw over 40, 40. passes. Yep. And for the receivers to only catch six, that's that's a problem. You know, and it, again, it was A-Chain, Weidemeyer. Chase had a couple key catches on one of those two. Man, Calzada was trying to feed him the ball. Was nine, nine targets. And, and yeah. the other thing was Anias only had like three targets. That that yeah. has to change. Yeah, that has to change. Get zero involved. I, that has to change in a big way. They got to figure that out. Um, but the receivers have to. They have to understand. We got a new quarterback in there. He's he throws it a lot a harder ball. It's going to be coming in hot. We need to make catches. We need to make tough catches. We need to make the easy catches, and we need to. If it's a little behind us, contort your damn body and make the catch. If you have to leave your feet, make the catch. Up high, go up and get it. Like, help the dude out. And and, and they needed to do that anyway. Right, With yeah. Haynes, not like, not just catch. any quarterback, yeah. We saw drops in the first game. The receiving core has to, has to play better. There's no doubt. There's no doubt about it. And they did last year for a while. Uh, I think they exceeded expectations last year. Everybody talks about on the message boards, they like to talk about receiver development. Chapman was playing really well before he got hurt. Uh, Anias was great last year. Chase was a really pleasant surprise as a first-year starter. Hez Jones made some big plays. They got to refine that because those guys have to make plays, and, and they have to be even better. They have to do more than they did last year. Yeah. That was the expectation coming in anyway, much less – now uh, going to a backup quarterback. Aggies need to improve before New Mexico. We will break down the New Mexico matchup on Thursday, guys. Again, I'm Zach. He's Billy. You've been listening to the Bellucci Hour, powered by King Ranch Saddle Shop and live from the tap. Go see them today in Century Square on University Drive across from campus. It's been the Bellucci Hour on The Zone. Like us on Facebook at Zone1150. Follow us on Twitter at Zone1150. Get connected now. Get connected now. Now. With the Zone1150 AM and 93.7 FM. This is KZNE College Station. Brian. Week one, Ryan Fitzpatrick goes to IR for the football team. 
He's got a right hip subluxation. Expected to miss six to eight weeks. 49ers running back, Raheem Mostert. Uh, Mostert out six to eight weeks. He's got a chip cartilage in his knee. Cornerback, Jason Verrett, torn ACL, done for the year. Box wide, uh, Bucks cornerback, Sean Murphy bumping. He's on IR. Dislocated right elbow at, at least three weeks. Denver wide receiver, Jerry Judy out four to six weeks. High ankle sprain. Jets left tackle, Makai Beckham, Beckham rather, out six weeks with a dislocated right kneecap. Clay Helton, he's out as well. He's out as the head coach of the USC Trojans. Eight total years, had a record of 46 and 24. Dante Williams will serve as the interim coach. Final couple of weeks of Major League Baseball's regular season. Marlins and Nationals, Internation's capital. Miami's got a 1-0 lead. They play in the second. Cardinals leading in City Field over the Mets by a score of 1-0. In the American League, Rays and Blue Jays are scoreless. Yankees already won today, 6-5 in extras. Boston is in Seattle tonight. We're back on Tuesday. It was a great week for the Pac-12, but a rough week for... One, two, three, ho! This is Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. Tubs at Allegiant Stadium. I was led astray trying to Google while simultaneously hosting the show. You got to go to Circa to Stadium Swim to get the six pools and the 4,000 people and the big screens. You just get football at the Raiders Stadium and a club and bottle service and a DJ and everything else. It's Bain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Courtney Croden. I think the hot tub you're thinking of is probably Jacksonville. I'm not positive, but I think that's I think that's where the hot tub and the pools are. It's ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline, including our next guest, Packers reporter for The Athletic, Matt Schneidman. You can follow him at Matt Schneidman on Twitter. Matt, what happened? I'm going to keep it real simple for you. What happened? Well, the biggest travesty was that pool that you talked about wasn't even open in Jacksonville yesterday because oh, of COVID. Boo. Oh, man. Um, I don't know. I, I was stunned with what I watched yesterday from the press box there in Jacksonville. Um, this isn't like 2019 when the Packers laid a stinker against the 49ers in the middle of the season, and I believe it was 37-9. to This wasn't last year when they laid a stinker against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa um, and lost by a couple touchdowns in week six. This was the season opener after a preseason filled with talk about how they were laser focused. They were ready to contend for a Super Bowl. They knew the magnitude of this season, given everything that happened with Aaron Rodgers this offseason. And sitting there, two rows in front of Aaron Rodgers yesterday after the game, listening to him say they were too full of themselves. They were taken aback by the kind of defense Dennis Allen played, which, mind you, was the same kind of defense they destroyed in the playoffs against the Rams this last year and the same kind of defense that uh, their own defense plays pretty much every day in practice. It was stunning. You know, last week, Matt LaFleur essentially boasted to us that he had 27 different players get votes to be captains. Ten of those guys wow. got double-digit votes. 
there was nobody, maybe left tackle Elton Jenkins, who had more tackles than Kevin King and Zedarius Smith because he actually made the tackles on both interceptions. Nobody worth following. Nobody who, who really led yesterday. Um, I don't know how to explain it football-wise or intangible-wise. All I can say, and pretty much all the Packers can say, is let's just hope it doesn't happen again for their sake on Monday night against the Lions. Aaron Rodgers, 15 of 28, 